Hi there. Welcome to the Performance Marketing Podcast. If you are someone who has used tools like Hootsuite or Buffer or Asana to make your marketing collaboration easier, you're in for a surprise. We have a tool which will make your marketing collaboration or I should say take your marketing collaboration to the next level. We are doing our first episode with the guest and we are joined by the wonderful Senia Montan. She is Forbes 30 under 30 and CEO and co-founder of Planable. And without me being introducing her and stating the facts, I'll let her do that because I'm sure she'll do it better than me. So, let's go ahead. I'm Xenia Montan, the CEO and co-founder of Planable, which is a collaboration tool for social media teams. I started the company about 5 years ago and before that I had a social media marketing agency. Um that was the first uh, formal business that I I ever started and during my agency that's when I found and discovered the problem that we're currently solving with the with Planable. Um back in my agency days one of the biggest struggles that I had was collaborating with clients and internally with my team. Um I didn't find the appropriate tools to do that. Um and the entire process was quite messy and time consuming. So that's what we're doing today at Planable. We're helping teams such as Jaguar, Land Rover, Viber, United Nations to streamline their content planning processes and uh to be able to build content faster and easier and in a more collaborative way. And I've been doing that for the past couple of years working with more than 5000 teams across the world. Um our team is a 30 um the founder team is a 30 under 30 uh nominee uh on the Forbes list and um overall uh the software has also been uh multiple times awarded by G2 Crowd and Captera and yeah that's kind of what we do in a nutshell yeah and it is very impressive and i've actually been following planable for some time now and after the first reach out where we were discussing about uh, things that we do for uh, social media posting ourselves as an agency uh, yeah. as we are majorly into performance marketing side of things where everything is related to ads and how we can get results at the faster time frame because everybody is always like okay i've invested uh, $100 or $1000 today on marketing i need to get the money back So those kind of conversation is something that we have on a daily basis but we have a lot of agencies which we work with who entire focus is just to make sure that the content that is going on on social media needs to be approved vetted by the clients get those things in get the feedback right on at the right place so people generally rely on excel sheets pdfs ppts and all of that uh, sense and it is very time consuming and very complicated and after yeah. going to planable uh, like i actually just saw it it just gives you a entire picture Like okay, this is how the post will look like. If you want to make changes, you can just put those right then and there. So it's very easy process. So I think that overall, the way the intuitive and the user experience and the way we show the post in Planable for a specific platform, like how it will look on Facebook, how it will look on Instagram, I think that's really great. And everybody who has an agency or who is actually managing a lot more platforms, like more than one, and want to post at one time, I think Planable is something that you should definitely give it a try. I agree 100% um and you mentioned the um, the preview feature that we have so I remember back in my agency days one of the biggest frustrations that I had was the fact that I couldn't see and I couldn't help my clients see how their content is going to look like in the end so what I was doing is at first I was uh photoshopping mockups uh for how their 
Facebook feed is going to look like, how their Facebook timeline is going to look like. And then I got a bit smarter and I created an uh, unpublished fake Facebook page. <laughs> I was going in there, you know, posting the, the posts that we were planning for them, taking a screenshot and sending them to clients. You know, as you can imagine, that is extremely time consuming, but it's kind of like the best option because yeah. if clients, you know, sending content in a spreadsheet to clients is not visual enough or, or even if you're working in an in-house marketing department and you, you have stakeholders, you have legal departments or just other collaborators, freelancers, sending them content in a spreadsheet is not visual enough and it usually leads to all kinds of miscommunications and just way too many questions than, than it, it should be necessary. So that's why that's the main principle behind Planable. The fact that you create posts and they look exactly as the final version on social media. Agreed. And I've actually heard a lot of uh, people uh, using Buffer or Hootsuite, yep. these platforms. And these platforms are more popular nowadays. And then people have to use tools like Asana or Trello to actually manage these posts, like whatever things they're doing, trying to do on Buffer and Hootsuite. So am I correct in saying that Planable is something which is a mixture of both worlds? Like you can do that together? Am I correct? Yeah, in that, that's, a very, that's a very good um, way of explaining Planable, actually. Um, so the way I see Planable um, compared to Buffer and Hootsuite is that with Buffer and Hootsuite, you manage your social media channels. So you do the scheduling and the publishing. Um, and then there's a bunch of things like analytics and listening and community management. Whilst Planable comes before all of that, so we help you manage your content more than anything. We do have publishing as well, so that's where we overlap with Buffer and Hootsuite. Um, but we're more of a content management system for reviews, for approvals, for collaboration. So basically a bit of the functions that Asana and, and other, you know, um, project management tools have. So that's, you know, that's a very good way of kind of putting Planable. It's kind of like a combination between Asana, Monday, and yeah. um, Buffer or Hootsuite. Yeah, that's where I was actually thinking. Uh, it can actually replace a lot of your tools. And with, I think now you have Instagram publishing as well uh, on Planable. Uh, so I think that's also a very good thing because a lot of these tools actually had uh, Instagram publishing recently. So having yeah. that on Planable as well is a good thing because Instagram was actually taking a lot of time in giving that API to every software. So that's great that you also have that now on Planable. A hundred percent. That was a big thing for us because um, a lot of people don't know that the Instagram, the API Instagram wasn't available to all developers for you know a couple of years since it was created. They were testing it in beta with just a couple of big companies like Hootsuite and Sprinkler and other big players in the market. And they only now released it to all developers to take advantage of. So we're finally lucky to have it on our hands and be able to deliver more value to, to our customers. Yeah, that's great. And every time uh, being into the product manager, product manager field myself, I always think about launching these products and I have worked on these project products and launched a lot of them in the past as well. So there's one always that life cycle that you have to go through and there are so many exciting milestones that a person has to go through. So I would like to hear your experience in those as well. And if you had uh, experience on those, 
also. So for example, whenever you launch a product, which is a SaaS-based product where you want people to interact, so the first platform that comes to mind is Product Hunt. After yeah. that, you get uh, start working and you might go towards uh, accelerator platform like AppSumo at the early stage and then go towards the next stage. So how was the journey like for Planable and what were these milestone looks like and what do you think about them? Yeah. So we actually had a few other platforms before Product Hunt, before Product Hunt that we tried. Platforms for um, even earlier adopters than Product mm -hmm. Hunt. You can imagine something like that. Yeah. Um, and there's a bunch of platforms for beta testers, or at least back then there were a bunch of mm -hmm. platforms for that. Beta page and 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 I don't know. I don't remember the websites exactly, but there's a bunch of forums and websites for that specifically. So we were featured on, on those platforms and that's how we got our first beta users uh, to just oh. test the platform and give us very, very early, very raw feedback um, for our kind of, for our minimum viable product hmm. for our MVP. Um, and then a year later, we launched on Product Hunt when we had the more robust platform, when we felt hmm that we were ready to monetize it. And when we launched on Product Hunt, we also launched our pricing plans. So we started charging our users, uh, but it took us a, a year or maybe even more than a year until we were finally ready uh, to uh, deploy it. And that makes sense because we only had one, one engineer in the team and that was my, my co-founder and our CTO mm -hmm. at Planable. So it took a while to, to put it on the market and then after Product Hunt, we did do um, we did do AppSumo. Um, so uh, I think a couple of months after Product Hunt, we tried it. And I think AppSumo is a really really great way to kickstart your business. Um, Product Hunt wasn't that amazing for us because it's I don't think there's that much of our audience on Product Hunt. I don't mm -hmm. think there's too many marketers on Product Hunt. To be honest, I think it's more you know. Product yeah, like, like driven, yeah, agreed. Yeah, developers, you know, engineers, UI, UX designers, that kind of stuff, and not that many marketers. But we did get a few, a couple of customers from our product product hunt launches. Uh, mm -hmm. And you know, the great thing with product hunt is that you can do it, you know, more than once. And mm -hmm. we definitely did our share of product hunt launches every time we had big, big updates uh, that were almost like new versions of Planable. Uh, we were doing a product hunt launch. Mm -hmm. When it comes to AppSumo, I think it's good to do it at an early stage. You shouldn't do it. I personally don't think you should do it at the later stage when your brand has more, you know, it's bigger, it's, it has more value because it, it does have that effect on your brand where it could yeah. be diminishing. Uh, because of just the low pricing point, the lifetime fee that users pay uh, to get access to your platform. So definitely do it at the very early stage. We've done it. I, I don't regret it. They do take a, a big chunk um, yeah. of the revenue. I think it was 70%. So you only get 30%, but they mm -hmm. do bring a lot, a lot of customers. I think we made, um, together with them, I think we made more than 200K. Um, mm -hmm on AppSumo in just a couple of weeks. Um, and what's great about AppSumo, and a lot of people, you know, a lot of founders and a lot of product makers out there hesitate uh, to try AppSumo because, you know, 
because it's a lifetime yeah. deal and the the pricing point and all of that. But I yeah. think the type of word of mouth that AppSumo uh, community creates once you get launched, um, we've seen recurring customers, you know, coming in the following months after our AppSumo launch, just because people were writing on about us on social media, they were writing blogs, reviews. So kind of kickstarted this word of mouth wave right after our AppSumo launch that brought on, that brought on uh, recurring customers as well, not just um, the lifetime ones. Yeah, and I think that actually just makes that process of actually launching a product, which is an MVP or a beta page or an app like that, makes more sense. Because once you have made a product stable enough, then you can go for AppSumo. Because if you're product is not stable enough and you go for an AppSumo kind of a launch, it can even backfire as well, equally yeah. bad uh, if things are not going the right way. So I think- I agree. And for AppSumo on the other side, uh, you gotta be careful on the requirements. Um, so you have to be strong in front of what your AppSumo um, users will require in terms of features from you, because those features might not be the same um, that your uh, recurring subscription users are asking. So that's that's something to keep in mind as well. That's true, that's true. And I completely agree with your uh, point on this as well. So I think Planable is a really good example in terms of how you should work on a product-based startup in the marketing community. And because in marketing, you might see there are very few which are like a unicorns in terms of everybody knows them, everybody is using them. Like those uh, softwares are there in terms of finding which blog content actually gets like with Buzzsumo, you can actually get the blog content. Then you have these buffers and that which just focus on scheduling. And then you have these multiple uh, product man project management tools like Asana and others to try and manage them. And I think Planable actually comes somewhere in between, which is trying to help users to marketers to make something which is entirely made for them. And specifically for content marketing, I think this is something which is a really great tool for understanding how the entire system of marketing works and putting it into a funnel by setup that, okay, this is these are the posts that you have planned. So I think we have the content calendar, we have the entire uh, setup around that. We can have multiple people coming in. So I think that just fits it right there. Yeah, so the idea is to take um, a social media marketer from ideation throughout um, visualizing the content that they're producing to reviewing the content, collaborating with other people, iterating on that content, um, getting feedback and getting approvals from you know stakeholders, and finally to publishing. So it's not really a tool designed for like mass publishing of posts mm. and like automated content. It's more a tool designed for those that carefully curate their social media feeds. Um, so that, that's kind of the main idea behind, mm. behind Planable. It's built for people, for teams to create better ideas together and better content together um, for, for social media. So um, that's kind of the main, the main concept. Understood. And how do you define 2020? Because 2020 was a year which was a lot of different things for different people. It has a lot of lows uh, and a lot of highs for some businesses as well, which were in digital aspect. So how do you define 2020 as a year for Planable? Yeah, so 2020 was a year that has um, taught me a lot about our business more than I expected. 
um, I was really afraid of a of a downturn and of a you know tough economy and something like that happening. Uh, to be honest, mm-hmm. um, I was actually thinking about. I remember thinking about it in December and what would happen, you know, if if a, in, an economical crisis would hit, what would happen with our business and how we would react. And, you know, that happened. You know, I think the fact that we're a collaboration platform and a lot of teams have went remote, that has, has helped tremendously. Because um, now more agencies, more teams than ever were working remotely, were working from home, and they needed something to collaborate and to work together on, on content. So we were, you know, well positioned in that regards. On the other side, we did have a lot of small businesses and a lot of agencies serving local brick and mortar businesses that were hit heavily by the pandemic um, and that that meant you know we lost a bunch of clients so we kept growing across the year um obviously we haven't grown as you know fast as we were in other years uh, but i i would have to say that the fact that we were a collaboration tool and the fact that we were in the marketing sector that's you know the first budget to be cut, the marketing one, mm-hmm. in a in a crisis. Um, those two balanced themselves well, um, mm-hmm. and it helped us grow uh, across the year, which is something that I am very very lucky and very fortunate to to be able to say. Yeah, in terms of the user base of Planable right now, uh, what's the major geographies that you have the major users on at the moment? Yeah, I'd say more than half of our customers are currently based in the US and then Canada is the second market. So like North America and Mm. Western Europe, Uh, but by far North America is our biggest market. Got it. And I think these are the places where uh, actually COVID actually hit the maximum and the impact of those. uh, So surviving this period is something which is commendable overall, because I think you also have a very small team, a focused team for Planable, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. We're only twenty people on on the team at the moment, so we're still, uh, I would say, a tiny team. And have you scaled up during this time, or uh, did you have to actually scale down also because of a lot of market issues that were happening? No, actually, not at all. We didn't have any layoffs across twenty twenty at all. Um, no scaling down. We actually hired. Uh, we were fourteen people at the beginning of twenty twenty, and now we're. Um, we're 20, so we added six more people. Oh, that's that's really great because that actually tells uh, everybody as, as, else as well, like if you're actually struggling, if you're actually working on your product and you're just focusing on the right things, uh, you can actually get through a lot of uh, ups and downs of the market. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's correct, yeah. So uh, actually, personally, hiring is something which has been the most difficult task for me as a person, like who has majorly mm. been into marketing space or majorly been into the product side of things. So what's one specific thing that you look for when you hire a person for any role? Well, that's a good question. Um, I think I look a lot at their attitude, um, their, you know, how much drive they have, how how much grit and resilience they have. Because in the end, this is a startup life. And sometimes we got to pull off a few all-nighters um, sometimes we gotta stay more, you know, to to finish a project, um, and we need people that can deal well with stress and with uncertainty. Uh, we need people that you know think differently, um, that have 
a hunger for work that are driven um so that's you know that's the first thing that i look at, at you know someone like the attitude that they have obviously the skills need yeah. to be there depending on the profession and the role yeah. um but like this drive and this this passion and this hunger that's what i look at the most yeah and is there any uh, red flag that you think that okay if i see something like that i i don't want that person to be in my team something that you say that, okay this should not be the attitude or this should be specifically one skill or one attitude thing that you have any experience from your interviews that you have had which was like a red flag at the beginning itself yeah uh usually people that don't know too much about planable when they come to an interview is a red flag um yeah. if they're not familiar with the company even if it's like the first stage of the interview it takes literally one minute to check us out on linkedin and see what we're about obviously mm. you can have questions about the company but like not knowing anything about it even for a 15 minute force phone screen the first stage of the of the process um i i don't think that's that's usually okay and then uh, as part of our interview as part of our application process we ask candidates to ask us three questions um and if they don't have any questions to ask us that's again a red flag for me um so those are kind of like the things that i look at how prepared people are when they come to interviews that tells me a lot about how responsible they are yeah that's that's actually true and i think i can actually take some points from that for sure in the next interview that we'll do for our company so because that's oh, that's been in those interviews drive right now and having like two or three interviews every day so i think and one of the major things that i have felt in those interviews is uh, when a person is coming for an interview and if they're not understanding anything about your company and they're just doing like four or five interviews in a day as a job seeker that just uh, takes you back like are they really serious about your job or they're just coming in for the money and that just mm -hmm. makes it very difficult for you to actually convince yourself that okay if i pay that person will they stay because right now the biggest problem that I, we have been facing is as everybody is working remote so you might you're not 100% sure you to build that relation right it yeah it takes a toll uh so that's where the biggest uh learning the biggest obstacle for us in 2020 has been is increasing our team size because we are working on that and that's still a work in progress like we have been growing by like 20 to 30% for sure but we wanted to actually grow like 50% in terms of yeah. we haven't i i agree building and maintaining culture is one of the hardest hardest things to do while remote or while working from home it's almost I don't know how companies are doing it. It's it's so hard. There's techniques and there's tactics and there's strategies to do this, um, but it's definitely it doesn't compare um, to when you're in the office, obviously. Yeah. All right. Uh, coming to the next part. So while going through Planable, I was able to see that we have actually invested a lot uh, on content marketing. So we have published Ooh. a lot of blogs. We have a podcast, which is people of marketing. Yeah. yeah academy as well and we actually put in a lot of like planable also does a lot of freebies which is like holiday kit or uh, social media emoji calendar and those interesting things which are there on the website so that actually takes a lot of time and a lot of patience to actually build that depth of content marketing so can you talk to us uh, something about that as well sure sure so from the get go we decided to invest in content marketing because we knew that our audience marketers social media professionals 
they consume a lot of content. So they're always looking to improve their skills. They're always looking to learn because it's such a dynamic industry. You need to always be in the loop and up to date with everything that's happening. Um, so that was something that we knew we had to invest. Also, it's quite a competitive market. So we knew that, again, uh, content marketing and delivering very meaningful information and knowledge to our to our audience could be a competitive edge for us. And that's also something that I knew how to do quite well from my previous experience building my social media marketing agency. So taking all of those things into consideration, it was a no-brainer for us to go into that direction. Um, unlucky for us, we managed to hire an excellent head of marketing, uh, Mirona Dragomir. She was um, ex-Uber and ex-Oracle. Um, so she has great experience in building content and working for tech companies. And together with her, we built uh, quite, uh, quite a nifty marketing team uh, that is specializes on content specifically. And we've built quite a few uh, big content marketing projects, but also smaller ones, like you mentioned, you know, freebies yeah. and blogs. Um, but on the content uh, marketing direction, the biggest projects that we, we've had were uh, our academy. So we yeah. launched a video academy where we interviewed a dozen experts on yeah. how to build a content workflow. Uh, so that was eight series, eight a series of eight videos uh, where people could enroll um, very similarly to a Coursera course mm -hmm. or a Udemy course. So they could enroll and they could, um, you know, learn more about content marketing and how to set up a proper workflow to build content. And then one of our most recent uh, content uh, marketing initiatives is our recent launch called social teams 100 hmm. and it kind of it's a list that honors and celebrates um the you know the amazing organizations that managed to grow their social media teams in 2020 against all odds uh, so the companies that had success they grew and they invested in, in their social media teams and they expanded their social media headcount so it's a list of 100 uh, organizations, companies, brands, um, NGOs, agencies that have grown their social media teams. So that's something that we've recently launched. Uh, it's called Social Teams 100. Um, and yeah, those are kind of like a few, a, a couple of the of the content marketing initiatives that that we launched and we're very proud of. Yeah, and uh, specifically the Social Teams 100, right? Uh, yeah. That would have actually taken a lot of research and a lot of interviews and reaching out yeah. to the users. How was the process like and how much time did you took to actually come through that project? Yeah, so the entire methodology was based on LinkedIn research and that took a lot, a lot of time to come up with the list um, and also a lot of time to to reach out to those companies so, so we can confirm the numbers. And the methodology, you know, started with our own research uh, partnering up with the with the company that is is specialized in in uh, in data, and we partnered with them. We you know looked across LinkedIn. We made uh, a bigger list of probably a thousand companies that have recruited at least one person uh, in in social media, and then we made our own top of a hundred. And then you know obviously there was the the branding, the marketing of the project, 
you know, designing the logo for the for the for the list, designing the web page, um, and yeah, it's you know the project is not yet finished. We're currently like um, doing PR around it. We're currently collecting uh, testimonials from the companies that have been uh, growing across 2020. So there's still a lot more to um, to do with this one. Uh, it's not, you know, the type of project that you just launch and that's that's all. It's probably one that we're gonna do a bit more with it uh, across Q1 and potentially Q2 as well. Yeah, and I think this can actually become something which can be done by Planable like every year. It has a feel to that, like like Forbes and 30 under 30, right? It could be hundreds. Yes, yes, every yes. Year. we're actually considering it. We're actually thinking about this. Um, you know, we'll see how that how it goes this year, and we might replicate it uh, in the next one. Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to that uh, as well because I think this entire concept of actually recognizing social media teams because social media teams are things people don't recognize them a lot. If something goes viral, they talk about the content, they talk about the company, but yeah. people are the masterminds behind that are something which are overlooked most of the times. So I think this initiative is something which will bring light to them and make their life also coming in out in the front for the normal people to see. Yeah, I, I agree a lot. I think there's so many awards out there that celebrate campaigns and content and not many that celebrate the humans behind them. Yeah, and I think Planable is doing an amazing job. And I think personally, you are also doing an amazing job in that by starting your podcast also along the same principles like people of marketing, right? So that's exactly going through. So seeing everything working together and having the same foundation is I think what makes Planable and the entire system a success. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I had one small question in terms of your entrepreneurial journey. So as you said that, because you have been working in uh, as a social media agency where you were working with clients such as Coca-Cola and then you started working towards a product-based uh, company, which is a SaaS startup. So how was your transition like? So like, did you decided one day that, okay, now I'm done with my agency and I want to focus only on the project or you took this as a sidekick, as a side project, made that mm -hmm. into a certain stage and then took a leap? How was the process like? Uh, so I was always dreaming when building my social media marketing agency, I was always dreaming about having a software business sometimes in the future. It happened faster than I expected, um, but it wasn't a conscious decision. You know, now I stop everything that I'm doing. It kind of happened gradually um, and it started accidentally, to be honest. Um, I met my co-founders at a hackathon. For those out there who are not familiar with, you know, what a hackathon is, it's, uh, you know, a couple of days, usually 48 hours, where you uh, build a product so over a weekend, usually. Uh, mm -hmm. And we participated together in, in a hackathon. We met together there, and we decided to, to build this idea, and we won that particular hackathon. And that's where the snowball started. Um, winning that hackathon allowed us to participate in an accelerator. Um, and being in that accelerator, um, we realized how much potential the product that we started building had. Um, being in that accelerator also helped us attract the first, um, uh, the first funding for our business it was a very small 
angel investment, but that helped us put the product on the market. Um, so it kind of, it, it, it was a very gradual thing that happened. Uh, when I went to that hackathon, there was no decision in my mind that, you know, I'm going to that hackathon to build my next business. No, it was yeah. just something fun that I wanted to do. So, you know, that's why people say that a lot of the success is just showing up because you never know, you know, what can happen and, you know, who are you going to meet and, you know, what idea you're going to discover and, you know, and you just need to show up to those things. So I showed up and it kind of gradually became more and more and more and more important until a point where I I realized that um, Planable had much more potential than what I was doing with the, with my, with my agency business. And I closed it and it wasn't more than a couple of months. Uh, since I started, since that hackathon, uh, until I, you know, closed my agency. Yeah, and uh, whenever there is a new startup or a new uh, idea that comes to the market, right? So the first twelve months are the ones which are the most trickiest one because it actually tests and checks your patience, right? So how was that year for you? Because after having a stable agency where you are serving some of the biggest client of the world. And then coming to a startup where now you're trying to get the customers in for the first time. So how was that transition look like and how, how did you maintain your patience over there and the strategies that help you combat that and grow towards where we are at? So I think the fact that um, I don't think it was like a downgrade for me because in my agency, I was I, I was indeed working with big name uh, companies hmm. uh, like Coca-Cola. So big logo, definitely. But it was Coca-Cola locally in my in my mm. home country, Republic of Moldova. So okay. the entire business is very, it was very local. Just you know, working with local you know companies in my in my country, um, mm. and it didn't have that global exposure. Mm. So that was super exciting. That that's the thing that excited me the most with Planable. The fact that maybe I'm not gonna work with Coca-Cola, you know, internationally. Mm. Um, maybe I'm not going to work with companies that have logos that big, hmm. uh, though we did end up working with, you know, Jaguar Landover and other companies that were, that are hmm. quite big, yeah. but I'm going to be, I'm going to have like a global impact. Um, and that felt much, much bigger than I could ever achieve with my agency. Um, so I think, you know, that's, that's something that excited me a lot hmm. and also starting from scratch isn't that scary when you're so young and you have so much, you know, I was 21 when I started uh, Planable. So, you know, it's not that scary uh, that you need to start from, from scratch. Um, I think it's even, you know, the uncertainty might actually be exciting at that age. Yes. Uh, and I think uh, you become more comfortable with uncertainty at a young age and it actually just propels you to the future even better. Like you are prepared to actually take more, uh, more challenges head on because of those early experiences of uncertainties. Yeah, exactly. So I just wanted to come to you in terms of asking for your recommendations for people who are like a young entrepreneur and who wants to be in the list of say, they want to be recognized as Forbes 30 under 30. It's like an accomplishment to actually be in either Forbes 30 under 30 or like publishing a book. I think you already have a book as well, right? The manifesto yeah. on marketing teams. So doing yes. these uh, things are something which is like a very big milestone for a lot of entrepreneurs when they start uh, the companies, right? So what are, what is it that they should do and when they should start thinking about these things as well? Because if you start thinking about these things from day one, you might not be able to start. So it's 
always has to be a right mix. So what do you think when a person should start thinking about these milestones as like Pope study in the 30 or publishing a book or when they should just focus on their startup? What is your advice like when a person should switch gears? Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to say, actually. If you want to get on the 30 under 30 list, you shouldn't think about the list. <laughs> <laughs> you should think about your business and you should think about how to build value for your for your users, how to grow your company, how to hire an amazing team, do all the right things. And if you do them well, if your company survives, uh, if your company thrives, you're gonna end up on the list. And yes, there, you know, I started thinking about the list, I don't know, three years into the company, um, when things felt like they were growing, they were, you know, really when you know plan was was really really expanding and i realized that hey it's you know it's actually a big thing right now you know it 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 has turned into something big and it's real um and we were being more and more recognized on the web uh we were having so many more supporters and so many more customers so that's you know when i started thinking about how can i bring more um credibility to my business you know and obviously for the free day and the free list uh is on your mind somewhere in the back all the time if you're an entrepreneur you see those lists and there's always like a craving to be there um but you have to like don't focus on it if you're not there you need to focus on your business you need to focus on your startup and then at some point you, it's gonna feel right to look into it it's gonna feel like you deserve to be on it um and then it's just a matter of like really networking really building your profile building your brand and uh putting yourself out there um getting someone to put in a good word for you nominate you um and uh, you know uh, don't give up you know you might not get in for the first time you might need to reapply it second third time but if you feel like your company is uh, you know, worth being on the list and you're doing a you know, great job as an entrepreneur, uh, then you definitely deserve to be there and you should keep trying. Yeah, that's that's a very solid advice. And uh, I think being uh, starting your business or anything, you always have a purpose in mind. So I think staying true to your purpose, like you have actually stayed true to your purpose of making sure that people are uh, social media teams are recognized and their work actually becomes easier every time. So staying true to your purpose is something I think which is important for any entrepreneur to have a success in any field that they go. So everything actually stems from that as well. Yeah. Can you talk to us about what's next for Planable? Where do you see Planable in 2021? Mm, yeah. Um, I think, you know, being at this milestone of five years, building a company really puts things into perspective and really, you know, there's a question of what's next um what's you know what does the next five year look like what does the next year look like and for me the future for planable is a lot about expanding the product into new markets and new markets in terms of um you know geographically but also uh, in terms of covering more more functionality for our users uh, and helping more marketers not just the social media marketers, uh, but other professions in the marketing mix as well. So expanding the product value is something that we wanna do quite a lot. 
uh, in the next in the next couple of years. The product is never perfect, so we're never gonna settle uh, in terms of improving it. And that's something that we want to do in the in you know in 2021. Also, um, we will continue hiring and growing the team, investing more and more in the brand, um, investing more in the design of the product and the design of our marketing team. We're actually currently hiring a designer. So that's something that uh, we're looking at doing in 2021 quite a lot. Um, and uh, yeah, just you know, building, uh, adding more channels. That's one thing that I can promise that we're gonna do in 2021 with the Planable platform. We already cover Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter, and we're looking at adding a couple, a couple of other uh, channels as well. Yeah, that actually sums it. And I think Planable has a very exciting future going forward. And to all the listeners, I I just like to repeat a few things for everybody to know. So if you're somebody who is just starting out to make a career in social media, I, and you should at least check the academy on Planable at least once. If you're working on a, applying for a job in an agency, or if you're applying for a job on social media of any shape, way, shape, or form, actually go in and check out the Planable blog section and the academy over there. I think you will find a lot of valuable content. And if you are somebody who is an experienced designer, you know she's hiring. So you can go ahead and plan it and apply for a job as well. And if you are an agency and you have seen some and you have heard for the Planable for the first time, there is a special coupon code that we have for all of the listeners over here. So you can get up to 30% off for of Planable for three months for all listeners. So there's a coupon code for that as well. Uh, that is PMP30. Uh, so PMP3 uh, and zero. Yep. Definitely check it out. Check out our website and um, go get go get that coupon. Uh, try it out. Uh, it applies for any paid plan, and we also have a free trial, so you can test it beforehand. Thank you so much, Sinia, for coming in. Am I pronouncing your name right now? Or <laughs> yes, that's fine. That's fine. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It was uh, it was really great being here. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sinia. Uh, Looking forward to host you again sometime in the future. Perfect. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.